welcome back to the Burn Youth Podcast. We hope this message encourages, inspires, and challenges you to follow Jesus. Enjoy. I have the pleasure and the privilege of welcoming to the stage my sister-in-law, the... Oh, look, we need it. We need a... Come on, where's the drum roll? Right here. Yeah, yeah, Caleb, come here. Yeah. I can't do this without a drum roll. My sister-in-law, Grace Seenbergen. Hello. Hello, how are you all? Good. Oh, that's not very excited. You can take your seats. I think I know a lot of you, but if I don't know you or you don't know me, my name's Grace. I uh, work at Capital Edge and I am the children's pastor, so I look after all the little kids. And um, yeah, it's good to see you. It's nice to meet you if I haven't met you before. (laughs) Thanks, Brielle. Um, So yes, I used to be a youth leader last year, um, but... My time came to a close because, as Dan put it, I'm a little bit more older than you. Some of you, I'm a little bit more, more older than you. So, but I'm excited to share with you tonight. So, what I want to talk about is, as we're starting this new series called Wise Word, uh, where you're focusing on the book of Proverbs, I wanted to focus on our actual words, the things that come out of our mouths, the things that are powerful. Can all of you stick out your tongues for me? Show, turn to the person next to you and show them your tongue. Okay, the Bible says that something so small and seemingly insignificant can be so powerful, powerful. Yeah, powerful. (laughs) And the power of our words are not to be taken lightly. Let me show you this with some scriptures. So Proverbs 18 verse 20 to to 21 says, Wise words satisfy like a good meal. The right words bring satisfaction. Who has ever had one of those days where you haven't eaten anything or maybe you only had a salad or some fruit for lunch? Maybe you had PE, ran for a marathon, whatever. And then you get home at dinner time and mum's cooked like something amazing and home cooked. And the satisfaction that that meal brings is amazing. Just imagine that satisfaction. That might be some of you here tonight. Maybe you skipped dinner, but later on you're going to go down to Macca's and you're going to get your Big Mac with your two tasty burger patties and that, you know, only Big Mac sauce with the onion and your salty fries washed down with a icy cold Coke. Imagine the satisfaction of that moment. And the Bible says that Wise words and the right words can have that same satisfaction for someone else, but also for yourself. Going on, verse 21 says, The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. You have the power of life or death in your tongue. You can tear someone down and destroy them, or you can build them up and give them life. Proverbs 20 verse 15 says, Wise words are more valuable than much gold and many rubies. 
Proverbs 12 verse 18 says, The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. You have the power in your tongue to bring healing to someone or to leave words that stab and then leave scars and hurt like a sword. You know, in James 3, it says that if we could control our tongue, then we would be perfect and could control ourselves in every other way. How crazy is that? Something so small as our tongues has that much power. And finally, Proverbs 21 verse 23 says, Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut and you will stay out of trouble. This one gets me because I'm quite a feisty person and so I tend to find that my words get me in trouble or have over my life. I've gotten a lot better, mellowed out, and um, I've learnt to control my mouth. Um, But is anyone like that? Their words tend to get them into trouble? Yep. So, for instance, in preschool, I told everyone in my class that Princess Diana was my auntie, okay? Um, I don't know why, I just did. And then going on to year one, I would, if anything didn't go my way or if people were mean to me or I was jealous of something they've got, my perfect retaliation was, well, you're not coming to my party. Who else used that one? (laughs) Yep. Going on to late primary school where um, my mum noticed a huge chunk of my hair missing after I'd been at a sleepover at a friend's house. And um, she asked me what had happened and I told her blatantly to her face lied and told her that my friend had cut my hair without my permission. Um, Of course, she went and followed this up with my friend's mum and the truth came out and, yeah, see, trouble. And in in my teenage years, when I sent... A piece of, this is the least one I'm proud of. Well, I'm not proud of any of them, but like this is like down here. Um, In my teenage years where I sent a piece of chewed up gum to someone that had hurt me with the message, this gum represents how you chewed me up, spat on me and squished me beneath your shoes by your actions. So this is what I'm going to do to you. Harsh. (laughs) Words bring trouble, people. And the main point I want to make is there is a direct link between our words and our heart. There is a direct link between your words and your heart. Luke 6 verse 43 to 45 says, A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. For instance, figs are never gathered from thorn bushes, and grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. Note. What you say flows from what is in your heart. That's Jesus' own words. What you say flows from what is in your heart. Proverbs 15 verse 28 says, The heart of the godly. The heart of the godly thinks carefully before speaking. Who's been taught to think before you speak? (laughs) Who follows that rule? Yeah. <laughs> the heart of the godly thinks carefully before speaking, but the mouth of the wicked overflows with evil words. What you say says a lot about your heart. For instance, when I told everyone, and I still remember it to this day, that Princess Diana was my auntie, I wanted to be special. I wanted to be better than all my friends, and I wanted to have something to boast about. I had a boastful heart. 
When I would tell people that they weren't invited to my party, my heart was filled with jealousy, pride, unkindness, sometimes a need for revenge. When I lied about my hair, my heart was dishonest, deceptive and selfish because I didn't think about the consequences for my friend. And when I sent that piece of gum, my heart was filled with bitterness, unforgiveness, nastiness and resentment and not the love of Jesus that God had for that person. And I'm not proud of that. But I want to show you that the words you speak show the condition of your heart. So I want to ask you tonight, how's your heart and what do your words say about you? How's your heart and what do your words say about you? There are three kinds of talk that I want to focus on tonight that can show the condition of your heart. And the first one is self-talk. Everyone say self-talk. This is the running commentary in your head about yourself. These are the things you say to yourself about yourself, the things you think about yourself, the things you feel about yourself. For example, does your self-talk sound something like this? I can't do it. I hate myself. I'm always failing. I'm such a loser. I stuff up everything. I can't believe this. I just wish I was that person. Everyone hates me. How could I ever accomplish anything significant? Does your self-talk sound like that? Or does your self-talk, is it dictated by what God says about you, which is the ultimate truth? How come we're always so willing to believe lies that the enemy throws at us or that other people throw at us, but we're more hesitant to believe the absolute truth of God and what he says about us? Um, Who do you let influence your self-talk? Are you looking for love and acceptance from things, people and places that aren't God? Do you give greater priority to the things your friends, boyfriend, girlfriend, parents say more than what you care about what God says? Is your heart insecure, fearful, filled with self-contempt? Or is it confident and filled with the love of Jesus? What matters most to you? What others say, what society says, or what God says? You see, whatever that thing is will influence what you say about yourself. We need to refocus our hearts on what God says. Because if your self-talk says, I can't, my Bible says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If my Bible, if your self-talk says I'm not good enough, my Bible says that no one is good enough, but God still loves you and wants to accept you into his family as an adopted child. If your self-talk says I'm a loser, my Bible says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made directly in his image. If your self-talk says, how could anyone love me? I'm worthless. My Bible says that God loves you so much and thought you were so priceless that he sent Jesus to die on the cross for your sins so you didn't have to and so that you can live in eternity with him forever. Those are the things that my Bible says, God says about you. So I want you to think about your self-talk tonight. What do you say and think about you and doesn't match up with what God says about you? You know, and... Society places a huge role on positive self-talk, you know, amping yourself up, inflating your ego. I'm so good. Yes, I can do this. 
That's not exactly what I'm talking about tonight. I'm talking about truthful self-talk. I'm not saying that if a trustworthy, faithful friend comes up to you and says you were really arrogant and disrespectful back then, for you to go, oh, no, no, I'm awesome. God says I'm awesome. I'm just awesome. I don't have to care what you think. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you need to listen to truthful self-talk. So the second type of talk I want to talk to you about is other talk. Say other talk. This is how you talk about and to other people. This says a lot about what's in your heart. If I get you to think about the people you've spoken to this week, think about the way you speak to your parents, your siblings, your grandparents, your teachers, people who have done you wrong, strangers on the street, what are your words to them? How do you talk to them? What do your words say about your heart? Are they kind, patient, gentle, truthful and loving? Or are they harsh Are they mean? Are they impatient? Do you gossip? Do you participate in gossip just by listening? Do you spread rumours? You know, Proverbs 25 verse 18 says, Telling lies about others is as harmful as hitting them with an axe, wounding them with a sword, or shooting them with a sharp arrow. Now, I would like to think that none of you would like to go out there and smash someone with an axe or shoot them with an arrow or stab them with a sword, right? And yet it's something that we do every day with our words by just not thinking. We inflict that kind of harm. Proverbs 15 verse 4 says, Gentle words are a tree of life. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. You can give life or you can crush a spirit. And Proverbs 16 verse 24 says, Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. So what do your words to and about others say about the condition of your heart? Does it say that in your heart you're harbouring jealousy, unforgiveness, hurt, bitterness, resentment, pride, anger, selfishness, dishonesty, insecurity, deception? Are you judgmental? What do your words say about your heart? You know, the best way to turn our heart around and our speech around to others is by looking, is to turn to Jesus and see the way that he loved and spoke to others. In Mark 2, Jesus has just asked Matthew to um, be his disciple. Now, Matthew is a tax collector, right? And so he is someone who steals money from the poor, um, takes too much money, is known as a sinner, right, by others, is known as a sinner. And so Jesus goes to Matthew's house and has dinner with um, Matthew and the Bible says other disreputable sinners, lots of other tax collectors who were always following Jesus. It says that Jesus' followers were made up from a lot of these people. And the the teachers of religious law, the people who taught religion, who knew their Bibles, who knew the law, turned to the disciples and said, why does he eat with such scum? Can you imagine the gossip going around? I can't believe he's meeting, eating with Matthew. Did you see what he did last week? He scabbed that poor little old lady out of hundreds of dollars, although it wouldn't have been dollars back then, but you get my drift. 
Or, you know, did you hear the words that came out of that fisherman's mouth? I cannot believe Jesus would keep company with someone like that. That's disgusting. You know, I can just imagine their thoughts and the things they said. But Jesus said when he heard this, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know that they are sinners. You see, um, the teachers of religious law were filled, their hearts were filled with pride and selfishness and self-righteousness, and they lacked the love that Jesus had for the people. And so if we want to change the way we view others and speak to them, we need to look at the example of Jesus. And my third type of talk is faith talk. Faith talk. These are the things you say about God himself. These are the things you say about God himself. Are you an N-N? What I mean by that is, are you a nervous Nelly? Turn to the person next to, you, next to you and say, are you an N-N? Are you a negative Nelly? You know, I have a bit of a habit sometimes of being a negative Nelly, and I've had to work out of it, um, and I'm still not always great. But my point is, is your heart filled with doubt and fear, or is it filled with faith? Are you so focused on the giant in front of you that you can't see the greatness of God behind it? Are you complaining or are you praising? Uh, Do you believe God can? Do you believe God is who he says he is in the Bible? Do you believe that he can do the impossible, that he is all-knowing and all-powerful? then why aren't you declaring it? Do you speak out and declare the goodness and the greatness and the faithfulness of God in your situations? We need to be declaring these things every single day in our lives. You want to see healing in your life? Then declare it. You want to see your friends saved? Then declare it and go out and preach the gospel to them. You want to, see, you want to get a job? Then you need to pray for it. Your words should be faith-filled, not, fil- not full of faithlessness. Um, no giant is too big for God to conquer. No giant. Nothing you are facing is too big for God to conquer. But are you willing to speak out and say that and declare it in faith? Are you willing to praise him before you've even seen the breakthrough? What does your faith talk say about your heart? Does it say that you've given up, given up on your miracle? Does it say that you're ashamed to share the gospel and declare your faith and for other people to know you're a Christian? Does it say that your heart is focused on your problems rather than your praise? Does it say that your heart is full of faithlessness instead of faithfulness? What does your faith talk say about your heart? The best way to refocus your heart and start speaking in faith again is to go back to the Word of God. Hebrews 4 verse 12 says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. God's word exposes our heart. If you want to see where your heart lies, you need to go to the word of God and start declaring his goodness and his faithfulness and his promises over your life. Um, I just want to end by telling you about David. Who likes the story of David? 
in the Bible. I love it. It's like a go-to for children's ministry. Everyone loves the story of little David coming up against big, huge Goliath. So David's this tiny little shepherd boy, nothing on him, nothing to him, doesn't look that grand or special or whatever. Nothing about him except for his heart. His heart is good. And the Bible says that he was a man after God's own heart, okay, which is why God chose him to be king. Anyway, little old David, little old David, he's little, he's young, he's a boy, right? So he's not really old. Um, Little David goes to bring lunch to his brothers who are a part of the Israelite army and the Philistines who are giants and Goliath who's extra giant, right, is threatening the Israelites, wanting them to come out and fight, but everyone's too scared to fight Goliath. So little David starts asking around, why are you letting him defy the name of God? Why are you letting him say that about my God? And his brothers hear about what David is saying and say, what are you doing? Go home. I know you're just asking these questions because your heart is deceitful and lying. That's what the brothers say. First of all, that brother's words says more about his heart than it does David's, right? Your other talk reflects your heart. Um, Anyway, so David goes and he says to Saul, the king at the moment, he says, I will fight Goliath. I can fight him. And Saul kind of has a laugh and says, you, you're a pipsqueak. What are you going to do? And so, but David's persistent. And so Saul's like, okay, okay, if you're going to fight Goliath, then you're going to need to wear my armor for some protection. So David puts on King Saul's armour, but of course that doesn't fit. That's not David. David doesn't care what other people think. Goliath's out there mocking him. You small, teeny little thing. What are you going to do to me? He's being mocked. Saul's saying, well, I don't think you can do this, but if you're going to try, at least wear my protection and try and be more like me. But you know what? David doesn't care what people think about him because he cares what God says about him more than anything else. And he has the power of God behind him. Anyway, so he picks up five smooth stones from the creek and his slingshot, not wearing the armour anymore. And he goes down to face Goliath. And I love his words of victory, right? So we've had the brother's other talk. We've had his self-talk in the face of mocking and Saul's armour. And now this is what he says to Goliath. And I love it. David replied to the Philistine, you come to me with sword, spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today, the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you and I will cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel and everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues His people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle and He will give you to us. I love it. It's so good. That is his speech. He hasn't been Goliath yet. Goliath is still mocking him. This is his retort. He is speaking his faith talk and he knows that God is going to come through to him. What does your faith talk say about you? What does your other talk say about your heart? And what does your self-talk say about your heart? I am going to pray for you guys tonight. Can I get you to stand up? Awesome. 
Lord Jesus, I just want to thank you, Lord. You are such a good and faithful God, and we just want to declare your goodness and your greatness tonight, Father God. I pray for each and every single person here, Father God. I pray that you would touch them. Lord, I pray that you would have you would challenge them on their words, Lord. I pray for those who struggle with their self-talk and struggle to see themselves in the way that you see them. Lord God, I pray that your words would fill their mind right now. Lord, that they would start reflecting on what you have to say about them more than what others have to say about them, Lord. That your word would be the most important, Father God. I pray, Lord God, for those people who are challenged with their their talk to others, Lord God. I pray that you would fill them with your love for people, Lord God. Your understanding for people, Lord God. That they would see people as you see them, Lord God. I pray that you would bring forgiveness, Lord God. That you would take away hurt and anger and selfishness and you would replace it with your patience and your love, Father God. And Lord, I just want to pray for those who struggle sometimes to see your greatness in the midst of their scary situations in front of their Goliaths, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that tonight that they would be filled with faith, Lord God, and that they would begin to speak out and declare your greatness and your goodness and your faithfulness, that you can do the impossible, that their Goliath is nothing in the face of the greatness of you, God, and they would begin telling people, and sharing it and sharing the gospel, Lord God, unashamedly, Lord. And because of that, there would be testimony after testimony after testimony who can, of people who have seen your goodness in their life, Father God. And so I pray, Lord God, that you would be over all our thoughts and that we would return to your word, your words, what you say, Father God. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Come on, put your hands together for Pastor Grace. That was a fantastic word, Grace. Thanks for listening to the Burn News Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or just want to reach out, hit us up on Instagram, at Burn Youth. Until next time, God bless.